friends, we hope you enjoy this sermon from St. Jude Oak Cliff. And if nobody has told you today that they love you, we do. But more importantly, God does. I'm going to be down here. Is that okay if I'm just here today, down low? Can you all hear me in the back? Yeah. We're good? Jamie, you guys can hear me? Okay. Oh, good. Thanks, Will. All right. Um, yeah, I just thought I would, uh, well, I was going to preach from down here. It lets me see the portal into the very face of God. It, this verse is uh, knocking my socks off. John chapter 1, verses 14 to 18, I can't get enough of it because I don't think I fully understand it. It's so beautiful and big and weird. I just want to, I believe it. So pray for me as I try to unpack this today because I, like I feel like I'm a hound dog and I'm trying to describe like the Mona Lisa to you. I just, you know, I'm baying and barking and wailing and I can't describe how beautiful this is. But I'm going to do my best, okay? So this is John chapter 1, verses 14 to 18. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me, because He existed before me. Indeed, we've all received grace upon grace from His fullness. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The one and only Son, who is Himself God and is at the Father's side, He has revealed Him. Let's pray. Father, um, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the intents of all of our hearts be pleasing to You, our Lord and Redeemer. Amen. In Nika's prayer this morning, she mentioned that Mark and I got to go to Caulfield State Prison. That's the maximum security prison outside of Palestine. We went with Coach Tubbs, who's a friend of ours here in Oak Cliff. Um, Coach Tubbs, um, he's kind of a world changer. He spent 15 years at Caulfield State Prison, but not as a worker. He spent 15 years there as an inmate. And while he was there, he didn't cap, but I should have known better, huh, Mark? It was closer to four or five hours that we hung out. We went from the gymnasium to every area of the prison except for the one kind of Jeffrey Dahmer area that nobody can go to but a few people. And while we were there, we met with guys called the Game Changers. The Game Changers are men of faith. I'd say 80% of them are Christian, maybe 20% Muslim. Is that right, Mark? These real peaceful... And all these guys want to do is give hope to the current prisoners. And we got to go with the Game Changers. And here's what surprised me. It shouldn't have. But you know in Matthew 25 when Jesus says, whatever you do to the least of these, my brothers, you do to me. When I was in prison, you visited me. I'm beginning to take all that stuff seriously. That wherever there's people on the margins, people in prison, people that are suffering, people that are outside the norm, Jesus is there. So I just said, I'm going to look at these guys with the eyes of faith. And I met Jesus all over that prison. Guys were sticking out their hands through the food portal and giving me their finger just to hang on to them because they only get out one hour a day. And we were talking and about Jesus and about life, and they would just say, thank you so much for coming. And they were just ministering to us, and it occurred to me about 6 o'clock that night, I had not e eaten any food that day. We served food to these guys. I don't think Mark ate it. You probably didn't eat either. Yeah, but we weren't hungry. Because we were filled up with God's use because we met Jesus. So through the eyes of faith, 
we just have to be more like practical mystics, as G.K. Chesterton would say as Christians. That um, where is Jesus located? Well, anytime I see someone loving someone else, Jesus is love, the love of God. Anytime I see a big brother holding a little sister's hand, anytime I see a grandma, you know, hugging on a grandkid, I think, oh, there's Jesus in their face somewhere. I'll look at that. Anytime I see someone practicing forgiveness, because Jesus is radical forgiveness, isn't he? People that are learning to forgive themselves, like in recovery, people that are learning to forgive other people, especially when you get hurt really bad, you forgive them. It doesn't mean you like them. It doesn't mean you trust them yet, but you're forgiving them. When I see people doing that, oh, I see the face of Jesus. And when I see people that are suffering, because right here, that's where God was most present in the world. So when I see people suffering with physical disabilities, I see Jesus. When I see people suffering with, with mental health issues, like people at the well, I, I see the face of Jesus. When I see people wrestling with the fact that they're not neurotypical, they have ADHD or ADD, or they may be on the spectrum, so they don't process information or emotions the way we do, but they're learning how to love people, I see the face of Jesus. So as Christians, just go looking for God in the world. He's found in all those places. So you're thinking, oh, there goes Mark. Here's that woo-woo Santa Fe stuff. A little bit, but it's true, because this is where Jesus, this is where he's located, man. He's located. He, he really means it. I, I'm beginning what Jesus said. I'm beginning to believe what Jesus said, that whatever you do to these, you do to me. I don't think that's a metaphor, a parable. I think that Jesus is telling us the truth, because they're Jesus-made people. So I need my faith to grow, so I'm going to get God juice by looking at these kind of people. I want you all to do the same thing. I think Jesus is instructing us to do so because he's just that good. He embodies people. He embodies us. John tells us the truth so big here, it's hiding in plain sight. And we just don't believe it. When, when I was a kid, I'd go to my grandma's house in Glendale, California. Glendale is a... It's next to Burbank, which is next to Los Angeles. And I love Grandma's house because we can play kickball out front and we can find where she hid all the Vandekamp donuts because she hid them from all the grandkids, but we knew exactly where they were. And they were gone every time we got there. We'd play kickball, we'd get all the Vandekamp donuts. We'd go outside, play kickball. And I remember one day, after it rained in, in Glendale, I looked up and I said, wow, there's a big mountain right behind my Grandma's house. Now remember, this is Los Angeles. So you can't see things right behind it. It could be, what? After the rain, there's a mountain right there hiding in plain sight. Never knew that, Grandma. You know there's a mountain right there? We can walk to it. But we couldn't see it because, you know, it's going to LA and it's, it's smoggy and all that stuff. But it was just hiding in, in plain sight. But right there the whole time. What's hiding in plain sight in John 1, verse 18, is something that John says that we just, I don't know if we fully get it. Can you throw it back up there, please? Yeah, yeah thanks, Tammy. Just the, just the end. Thanks, Tim. Well, actually, one verse before that. And then the, thank you. Okay, he said, and then, the, and then the end. Indeed, we've all received grace upon grace from his fullness, for the law was given through Moses. So when was the law given through Moses? That's Exodus 19. Remember that story? He went up on the mount, saw God face to face, and got the, got the law, came down. But he spent longer up there than he came down. And the people were... Um, doing all kinds of bad stuff. Moses got kind of upset, broke the stuff, made them eat the ground-up Ten Commandments. And then Moses went back up on the mount and then got another set. And he spent so much time up there that his face was all glowed 
And when he came down from the mount, he had to wear a veil over his face. And then he had more laws in addition to the Ten Commandments. He had the tabernacle stuff and all that. So Exodus 19 to 34. So the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Okay, now the next part, Tammy. No one has ever seen God. John's doing that on purpose. Wait, Moses saw God. He saw God. Nope, John said he never did. No one is there. John is trying to shock us. He is trying to shock us. I'm shocked. Are you guys a little shocked by that? Well, he doesn't mean that. Oh, he means that. No one has ever seen God. The one and only Son who himself is God, it is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. Who has Jesus revealed? Jesus has revealed the Father. Now, we don't read it that way. We say Jesus has revealed Jesus. But John says Jesus revealed the Father. The Father. So Jesus is revealing who the Father always was. He's not revealing who the Father will become, like a nicer person. He's really revealing who the Father was. And in comparison to Moses, it's as though no one has ever seen God at all when you compare them to Jesus. The light that comes from Jesus is so bright, it makes Moses' experience with God like a blind man. Are you hearing him? We don't believe him. I don't always believe him. I'm beginning to believe him. Also, in this weird thing too, he's revealed him. How does one person reveal another person? My wife's in New York right now taking care of our daughter who um, had an emergency appendectomy and taking care of the baby. And so I can tell you, um, well, Mary and I, we've been married for you know, almost uh, 40 years and uh, we're one flesh. And so this morning I'll reveal her to you because we're one flesh. You would say, a nice try, Mark. You can do that whole biblical thing of you revealing her, but your DNA is different than hers. All you can do is reveal a side of her, but you can't fully reveal her because you're different than her. What John says is that Jesus is the full revelation of who God the Father and who God the Spirit always is and was and will be. Jesus is the revelation of God. And he picks the, the rest of his book trying to explain that to us. Chapter, chapter 8, I and the Father are one. Huh, okay, whatever. Chapter 10, I and the Father are one. Huh, okay, whatever it is. Blah, 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 one, union, union. Chapter 14, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Oh, metaphorically, right? No, not metaphorically. Are you, are you beginning to get the weight of this? That Jesus is who God always was. Once we didn't know it, now we do. Oh my gosh, that's so weird. It's hiding in plain sight like the mountain behind my grandma's house. It's hiding in plain sight. But we refuse to believe it. We've got to get all the smog away and just... Duke, John is himself just saying, I, I can't believe this, that Jesus is who God always was. He's revealing the inner relationship with the Father. So the content of God's revelation, very often we say the content of God's revelation is this. The content of God's revelation is Him. He's the content of God's revelation. Told us in this, but it points to Him. What? That's so weird. I know. Do we believe him? Do we believe him? I know we believe in Jesus. 
but I'm beginning to get weird and just believe him. Let's just get weird and believe him. That Jesus is the revelation of God's, he's just God's revelation, period. What does that mean? Well, it means it's really good news. You know, when I've, I've talked to you before about, and I'll change it from a Volkswagen van because that ages me. So let's say we've got a brand new GMC Suburban, you know, a really nice one. And it's got, it's the three, the three sections, bucket seats in the front, bucket seats in the middle, two bucket seats in the back. Okay? Nice brand new 2023 GMC. And God, the Holy Trinity, is in, is in the Suburban. And he's driving around Oak Cliff. Jesus is driving because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And the Father's fine with it, so the Father's in the middle seat, and the Holy Spirit's in the back. Doors open up. God says, hop in. Who are you sitting next to? Who are you going to sit next to? Which one? Well, most of us would say, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll sit with Jesus. Why? Because we think the Father is what? So different than the Son. Is from his papa. He's not a bad person. We need to tell people they can sit wherever they want. Because Jesus fully reveals who the Spirit is and who the Father is. And that's what John is saying. No one has ever seen God. So anyone with an experience of God in the Scriptures, whatever light they had, John says, as though they are blind. He's doing that on purpose. Well, that's... That, that's so weird. Well, it's true. And the, the good news is, is that so many people are wondering, is Jesus like God? Is Jesus like God? Oh, we can tell them. Why do you think people are leaving churches? Because they don't think Jesus is like God. Jesus they like, God they don't like. We can tell them. We can get weird like John. We should get weird like John. Because that's what it means to be a Christian. And say, Jesus is ex he's exactly like God. God's exactly like him. That's really good news. I and the Father are one. Now, the earlier church actually believed that. And, and they, they taught that. It was most pronounced in the Nicene Creed. Well, because they got it from the Bible. But in the Nicene Creed, it says that I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, just like in the Apostles' Creed. And it says, I believe in God the Son, eternally begotten of the Father, God of God, light of light, true God from true God, one in being with the Father. Homoousius tu patri in the Greek. One in being, same essence. Jesus reveals the Father. So when he says to Philip, how can you say if you've seen me, you've not, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? And we look at that like, oh, well, that's kind of metaphorical. Jesus is saying that's not metaphorical. That's real. I reveal God. Now, we say these things, but what happens is there happens a detachment. So, it says that the law came from, from Moses, but what came through Jesus? Grace and truth. So, grace is not a thing. Grace is what? Jesus. You know when I say God's use, well, I got God's use? You know why I call it that? Because I want to remind myself that grace is not some sort of information. It's just God pouring his juice into me. It's the Jesus juice, the God juice. It's, relation, it's real. That's why I call it God juice. 
Grace is not a thing. And guess what else? Truth is not a what? Thing. What is truth? Whoops! It's a person. But what happens is that we're like four Legos, and the detachment happened where we split those four Legos into two. And detachment. And instead of having Jesus be the truth, and Jesus be grace, and Jesus be the revealer of God, the revealer of God was now put in a book, and it is the holy book, the holy scriptures, and now grace comes through this book, detached from Jesus. And truth is found in this book, detached from Jesus. And all authority is found in this book. But the book says all authority is in him. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. Now it's through the book. But what does that mean? That means Jesus fully reveals the Father. That's really good news. We could tell people that. But it's got to rewire how we read things. So what's, what's the good news of that? Oh, tell people that. But this also has the courage then of reading the Bible with that in mind. If you look at any text of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, Hebrew Scriptures, or Greek Scriptures, all in English now. Thank God for that. If you look at any part of the Bible and you're looking for God and you're trying to find Him, I think what we have to do is we have to transfigure it out. You all remember the story of the transfiguration? Let me give you the... The, the transfiguration is when Jesus went up on a mount and He showed how, how, that He was God. And, and people saw Him, that He was God and He was, he was all glowed up. And it scared the apostles. Three of them were James and John and Peter were there. And they were kind of freaked out because Jesus was revealing his full divinity to them. And they're a little bit freaked out. Then all of a sudden, two of the all-stars from the Old Testament came down. Guess who they were? Moses. So he wrote the law. And then the all-star prophet came down, Elijah, from heaven. And they were all, so Moses and Elijah... We're talking with Jesus. And that scared the apostles even more. And Peter's trying to like, you know, God's here, do something. So he's just like making stuff and trying to make an altar and ooh. And then what happened? A cloud came down. And that really freaked him out. And out of the cloud came a voice. And the voice was of the Father. And the voice said, this is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. And we think, oh, God's talking to James and Peter and John. Nope. He is talking to all five of them. He's talking to James and Peter and John and Moses and Elijah. Listen to Him. Listen to Him. Listen to Him. Why is He saying that? Because He reveals the fullness of God. He reveals the fullness of God. That's such good news. Now you think, have you all ever heard this before? I think you have, right? You hear me give kind of things about this, but then how do we read certain parts of the Bible? Because we don't really think that Jesus and the Father are one. We just think they kind of cooperate with each other. They're more like cooperative 
co-mingling father and son, but they're way different. And if you think that, then you think that the father's angry at you, and then you think the son made God no longer angry at you. You know, I, I know some of us are taught that that's the case. But that's not the case. And I really think there's a lot of well-meaning Christians who have come to faith in Jesus with that story. And I really think they have faith in Jesus with that story. I believe that. That affected me. But the Father's not angry with us because the full revelation of God is who? It's Him. Do you ever see Jesus being angry at people? I and Father are one. They don't cooperate. He's revealed through Jesus, fully revealed, 100%. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says he is the exact representation of his nature. I mean, how much more can they tell us? But we look at it and say, I don't know. It doesn't fit my theology. Well, too bad for our theology. God loves people. He's for people. God doesn't save us from God. That's a, that's, that's a silly view. That's, a, that's not correct. Well, then how do we read certain parts of the Bible? Like, how do we read the Old Testament? We transfigure it out. You take Rabbi Jesus with you. You just take him with you. And you read Moses and say, Moses, hmm, some of the things you say, it doesn't sound like Jesus. Jesus, where are you here? And you keep reading and listening until you listen and hear his voice. That's how the church used to read the Bible. Because the truth is not contained authoritatively in a book. The truth is contained in a person. And what's happening now is that when we read the Bible, we say this whole thing is truth, and Jesus is just the end of it. And everybody gets a voice. Everybody gets a voice in the truth. And if they disagree with Jesus, if there's a majority rule, the majority rules over him. Whoa, 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 where did we get that way of reading the Bible? This is not American Idol. There's no votes here. There's no voting here. That's what the Jesus Seminar does. And we, as, as those who take a high view of the Bible, we don't do that, but we kind of do that. We say this is all summed up truth, and Jesus is just the end of it, and we've got to silence him. But those who are in this book, like John and Moses, they're doing what the Father says. No, he's the truth. And if it doesn't look like Jesus, then it's not God the Father or God the Spirit. And I think it's going to take courage on our part to hold that line because it's going to feel weird. But it's not weird. It's faithful. And it's not that complicated. And I love the Old Testament. All of it. But sometimes people say things and it just sounds weird. And you know what? In this holy book, God is so kind, He let the kids write the story. He let us kids write the story. God didn't write one thing down, but it's inspired by His Spirit. And why would God include something that someone wrote that may have been a little bit wonky? Because that's what we do. And, and the proof of this is real simple. When God in the flesh came, who fully reveals the Father, we all looked at Jesus and went, nah, that's not Him. Nah, that's not Him. You're not the one. Nah, you're not. No, you, no, no, no. Single mom, 16-year-old mom, nah, you're not Him. No, you're, no, 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 no. You're supposed to be a warrior. No, that's not Him. I mean, we, and he's, no, I really am. And I love you guys. I mean, the whole point is that we got him wrong. We got him wrong. And he still loves us. It's, 
It's the mountain behind Grandma's house. It's hidden in plain sight. It's hidden in plain sight. He's the one. Well, how do I know the way to God? Well, Jesus is the way. Well, how do I know the truth about the Bible? Well, just take Rabbi Jesus with you. He's the truth. Oh, we have to transfigure it out. Well, what about Moses and Elijah? This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Oh, okay. That's how I'll read the Bible. Isn't that encouraging? But this good news that the Father and the Son are alike is such a beautiful, glorious weight that it also requires us some courage as we talk about this beautiful book. And something that you all need to know about this book. We think this book is something we read. This book reads us. It reads us. It reads me all the time. I say things all the time like I attribute to God. And I'm thinking, oh, nope, that's me. Sorry, Lord. It's so funny that when I get mad that my enemies look just like God's enemies. Huh, how does that happen? They look just like my enemies look like God's enemies. Because I want to be mad at people. And I want God to get them. Wow. Huh. Sorry, Lord. That's not the case. You don't have enemies. You just have a lot of people you made that you want to have come home. You died for your enemies. And uh, I forget that. I forget that. So, I want to give you all a great gift today. You talk about that suburban with your friends. And you tell them to sit wherever they want. Because here's something that John is trying to tell us. That the Father is really Christ-like. And believe that. Just, just let that wash over you. He's very Christ-like. Completely Christ-like. And the Son is very Father-like. And don't, let's not, you know like in a good family, don't let, let, the, kids, don't let the kids separate the parents. Don't let, don't let us try to separate the Trinity. Let's just receive that. Let's receive that. And let's have the courage to read this God-inspired book in a way that allows this book to read us. We're not always the expert. We're the learners in this thing. The Apostle Paul was trained in this book before he was a Christian. Knew this book backwards and forwards. He had it completely wrong. He thought God wanted him to kill people. He thought God wanted him to kill Christians. He thought God wanted to put women and children in prison. He thought it was all good until he met Jesus face to face and said, oh, that's you, God? Oh, I got this completely wrong. I got this completely wrong, and I've been reading this thing my whole life. And he spent his whole life trying to tell us the same thing, that in Christ is the full mystery of God hidden in plain sight, that the Son's fully revealed the Father. The Son's fully revealed the Father, not just himself. John's telling us, Paul's telling us, I think even Moses is trying to tell us too, and Elijah in his own way. I find this such good news. No one has ever seen God. So, if we want to see God in all parts of the Bible, what do we have to do? We've got to take Jesus with us. We've got to take Jesus with us wherever we walk in the Bible. And wherever we walk in the Bible, He will reveal who? Him. But He is the way, and He's the truth, and He's the life, and He loves you. And don't ever think that the Father doesn't. I've been doing a lot of apologizing in my own life to God the Father for the last few months. 
because I didn't think he was like his kid. And I said, thank you for being so patient with me, Father. I thought you were so different. I thought Jesus had to convince you to like me. I didn't realize he got all that stuff from you. I'm so sorry. And I got this sense back like God goes, that's okay, Mark. I knew you'd come around. It's all right, kid. Like he wasn't mad at all. But I'm saying, Father, I'm so sorry. I I really thought you were dead. It's okay, buddy. I'm glad. I'm glad you figured it out. Well, I didn't figure it out. I transfigured it out. Because it's found where? It's found in this book. Because Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. In this 118, oh, wow. It takes a lifetime to believe this. This mystery is revealed, and it's still so mysterious. Let's just take it and give it away to others. And be humble and courageous. But let's not deny that Jesus fully reveals the Father. Because that's kind of the essence of our faith that Jesus gives us a really good dad, and they're just alike. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thanks for giving us your son. Thank you, Lord God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for giving us yourself. Thank you, Jesus, for fully revealing who the Father always was. There's a time that we didn't know that, um, but now we do, and we're so grateful for that. We love you, and we pray in your name. Amen.